Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Coaching team. She hired uh, 
Brad Gilbert as a consultant to people she already had. Uh, Brad Gilbert worked worked for ESPN, but was uh, largely credited with helping Andre Agassi uh, return to relevance in the 90s, helped Andy Roddick, has helped a variety of players over the years, Uh, brought him in, you know, and then burst onto the hard court scene this year for the hard court season and just – Played really, really well, Chandler, man. Uh, and um, much you saw the the finals, but uh, in the first set, she really looked like she just got outpowered. Uh, and then the second, in the second set, she just sort of rose up, started defending the ball more, lot, just getting to everything. Um, she kind of turned the tables there. And then second and third set really dominated. Listen, she went up four-one. And the third uh, had a break, broke, broke. Uh, Sevalinka served to go up four-one, and then uh, she had to take. Uh, Sevalinka took a pretty lengthy medical break, uh, and then came back and broke Coco to make it four-two, and then Coco just calmly broke back and uh, won the match, man. But she played some high-quality tennis, man. Really good defense. Uh, Tremendous, tremendous speed, and this girl's personality, whatever, man. She's, you know, finally getting this grand slam. She's really uh, risen up in women's tennis, man. I'm not sure if you saw any of this or got some comments on it, but I'm just proud of Coco Golf, man, and what she was able to accomplish this past weekend. Well, I mean, I didn't get to watch it because they didn't. Um, ESPN wasn't back until after she won, of course. Um, but, you know, it's funny. Every every young black woman that's playing tennis is going to be Venus and Serena. So she had to learn how to win. You know what I'm saying? It's really that simple. She had to learn how to win. I'm proud of her. I'm glad she got finally got it. Um, I don't want to hear about now she's got it. Now she ain't got to do nothing. Okay? Her career is her career. It'll go the way it goes. If she never wins again, it don't damn matter to me. Um you know, she doesn't have to be anything other than Coco Golf, And I hope that's the one thing that her parents and the people in her circle try to remind her of. She doesn't have to be anybody other than who she is. What she is is more than good enough as a tennis player um, and as a person. So I'm really glad she won. I knew she would at some point, um, especially the U.S. Open. You know, now, you know, obviously the next the next big one, you know, as far as career achievements is Wimbledon. You know, you win the U.S. Open, you win Wimbledon. Yeah, everybody's with Australian Open, French Open. Yeah, they're nice. But the two the two you want, you know, the two pelts you want as a tennis player is Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. She's got one. And I just look forward to seeing the rest of her career. But I'm really, really glad that she finally won. Um, it was nice to see, you know, her do that. And then her taking, kind of taking control because it was um, – Think of the quarters of the semis, where because now they allow the coaches to talk from the stands, which they were doing all along, but now it's legal. And she told uh, Gilbert to shut the hell up, you know, like dude, shut up and talk to me right now. So and she won that she won that match. So she's she's maturing, she's growing. Um, I think the sky's the limit for her. But again, I'm not comparing her to anybody. She doesn't have to replace anybody or be the the next anything other than Coco Golf. I will say this. Uh, I, I'm not sure how old Venus and Serena were when they won their first 
uh, Grand Slam. But what I will say, though, is I do think that she's been able to make some – I mean, the talent has always been there. She has been able, even over the last few months, to make some minor adjustments to her game. And now I think uh, she believes for sure, and she's got the game to back it up. I think she's the fastest player on tour as far as just foot speed goes and ability to get to balls. Um, she's number three in the world right now behind Sevalinka and Viatek, who won uh, Wimbledon, I think, this year. So she's right. I mean, she's right there. But at, at her age and her ability and the way she's grown, I agree with you that she does not have to, that we don't need to compare her to anybody else. But what I will say is I think the future looks bright for her, and I believe that this is the first of several Grand Slams that she's going to win in, this, in, in her career. If she doesn't, hey, there are a lot of people that would, that would love to have just one, that have aspired and never even come close to sniffing that. Right? So, but, um, you know, if she's able to remain healthy in that, I think that the talent is great enough that I don't think this will be the last time that she raises the trophy. I thought even the way she conducted herself in the press, like after, or like in, you know, her little interviews at center court, she was really real. She jokingly said she tried to FaceTime her brother and he didn't answer and he called back, and she spoke to him for a second, but then it was time to go. And uh, But just recognizing, even giving props to uh, the girl that she beat because Linka rose to number one in the world with her performance at the U.S. Open with her second-place finish. Uh, and then even, you know, taking a minute to, to thank Billie Jean King for being part of the uh, – really pushing to make sure that the purse is equal for women and men at the U.S. Open. So uh, I – you know, I think that she showed poise and class and maturity beyond her 19 years, and uh, I, I'm I'm just I'm impressed with her. And I ain't gonna lie to you, I call me soft whatever you want to, but just to see her rise to that, knowing this, knowing how long she's really worked at it, and to watch her the, the way she conducted herself, I had some tears in my eyes watching that little celebration. So uh, I'm, I'm proud of Coco. Uh, and then the next day on the other side, uh, we were hoping for the Wimbledon rematch. Carlos Alcaraz uh, got defeated by Daniel Medvedev uh, in the semis. And then uh, Djokovic took care of him in, in straight sets in the final. So 24 majors, most ever all time by Djokovic. Um, he is – he's talented. He's a good tennis player. And – you know, he they've been he'd been talking about when he was really, really young and you know, he was one of those guys that for a long time you wondered if his temper and his inability to kinda uh keep his head screwed on was going to uh keep him from reaching these kind of heights. But uh he has been able to do that and uh so uh like him or not, it's impressive uh for anybody to get twenty four grand slams. Uh so Impressive there. Uh, anything else you want to hit on tennis, Chandler, before we move on? Because i got plenty of other little appetizers to throw in before we hit main stuff. Uh, anything else you got? There? No, because no, I, I don't give a damn about uh, men's tennis because, you know, uh, the American men suck, so I don't even give a damn about it. 
I only watched hey, the women's we tennis, did, We did have some good performances by the Americans, though. We had uh, we had a couple make the quarters, and and uh, and one uh, a young cat too, just uh, a black dude that had just graduated from Florida, uh, made the semis. Lost his joke of it there, but uh, we did have the some of the best performances from American men that we've seen in in a long time. So uh, it, it's good to at least uh, see us trying. Again, uh, <laughs> the people try to get back there real quick. Uh, and and uh, the next thing of uh, after guys tennis being one thing that Chandler doesn't care about, and the next thing that he's not going to care about either. Uh, still got to throw it out there. Uh, the men's world championships in freestyle and Greco Roman wrestling happens this weekend uh, over uh, Budapest, maybe somewhere over there. I want to say, uh, but those start up Saturday and Sunday. Uh, freestyle pretty much be done uh, early in the week. But uh, so you got ten weight classes at Worlds. You only have six in the Olympics, but there's a couple of uh, Olympians. But a lot of uh, a lot of new faces too for the United States. Matter of fact, um, a couple of. Olympic medal winners and former world champions and world silver medalists uh, got knocked off in the U.S. in the uh, trial. So uh, a lot of new blood. The kid who just won four national championships from Cornell got beat in his finals match to uh, represent the world team. So uh, a lot of new faces on the world team this year uh, with some returning guys too, but speaks to the depths of the U.S. in that sport. So uh, just throw that out there and keep it moving. Uh, Chandler, you and I talked on Monday night about uh, the the Jets clowning around and quarterback got hurt. And, you know they're able to pull this game out late with the uh, with the punt return. Uh, your thoughts on the Jets moving forward? Are they going to take their chances with? A running game and a solid defense with Zach Wilson. Do you think this team's going to do anything else or go to try to bring in or trade for somebody at the quarterback position? What do you think the Jets, 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 Jets are going to do? Well, there's nobody to trade for. Um, I don't want – you say what you want. I don't want Kirk Cousins anywhere near any team that I might watch. Um, Kirk Cousins is trash. I don't give a damn what nobody says. He is great at making money. You know what I'm saying? I'll give him that. Man is great at making money, but if you're trying to win, why, why the hell would you have Kirk Cousins? Um, <laughs> no, he done made way more money than Ryan Tannehill, bro. He done made more yeah, money than him. Pro- but he's produced more. Ryan Tannehill is one of the greatest swindlers in NFL history at the quarterback position. Um, <laughs> I ain't going to call them swindlers because these people are stupid enough to offer them the money. They're supposed to say yes. Um, that's a fact. That's a fact. My issue with the Jets is – you knew you didn't trust Zach Wilson, but you didn't have a, a viable backup to Aaron Rodgers. So now you stuck with, with Zach Wilson. Now that defense is on a, on another level. Brees Hall is on another level. Um, I don't trust Nathaniel Hackett. Um, now we got the story in the athletic where Rodgers told the offensive line coach, I don't like guys cutting on the three-step drops because I might decide to hold on to it. Offensive line coach says, I don't want to give a damn what you think. You're just the quarterback. And Dwayne Brown cut, and Rodgers got hurt. That ain't Dwayne Brown's fault. That's the offensive line coach. 
Um, I don't trust. So I already got one coach that thinks he's smarter. Now, Nathaniel Hackett again, what did I say that night? He just kept calling passing plays. Why the hell do you keep calling passing plays when you got two outstanding running backs? So I don't trust Nathaniel Hackett to actually understand how to call an offense for Zach Wilson. Everybody's going to blame Zach Wilson. You know, um, part of the problem with Zach Wilson in the very beginning was the fact that they didn't have a viable veteran. You had Joe Flacco who was sitting around mad because he wasn't the starter. So how much mentoring is he going to do? Not a whole lot. And that was obvious when you watch Wilson play. Now you go with Tim Boyle as the backup. Once again, you have a guy who needs a veteran in his ear. And if Rodgers, because of the rehab, may not be able to get there for a couple of weeks, why didn't you bring a veteran in just to help this kid and be like, yo, listen, bro, you don't need to make that throw. So I don't trust the thing you hack it. I don't trust Jets' ownership. I trust that they're going to be – that they're going to jet it up, you know. I think if, the, if this team wins, it will be in spite of the coaches, not because of the coaches. Mike, you still there? Yeah, I was sure talking on mute. No, I agree with you. And, you know, it's funny because I've heard some people say, well – Colin Kaepernick. Uh, that's not going to happen. I would I would give him a look personally, but I don't think it's going to happen. I've heard some people say. I've heard some people say Jameis Winston. And you know the the thing is, I don't know that you could. I'm not saying that that is the answer, but I don't know that you could put together an offer that would make the Saints really consider that. When you look at the fact that if Derek Carr were to go down and they didn't have Jameis Winston, well, the rookie they got from Fresno State, the guy Jake Hayner, is serving a six-game suspension as a rookie because of something that he is now saying he realizes he took or whatever. And so you would be one snap away from having a put Taysom Hill at quarterback and we've seen that movie before. So uh I don't I don't think that you're gonna get a team to give you its insurance policy at quarterback what? So you can have an option at quarterback and we can't anymore? Uh well the only guy the only guy that you that I, I would be okay with them getting and he's gonna have to start if you get him is Taylor Heineke. Because he is he's smart enough to, to 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 pick up this new offense. He's tough enough, you know what I'm saying, and he's mobile enough. The problem is that he, just like Zach Wilson, will turn the ball over at the worst possible moment. So basically he's a more polished version of what Zach Wilson is now. Well, so you may as well and- stick with Zach Wilson. And, and the other name I hear is Carson Wentz, and I don't want him anywhere near my football team. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I don't I, want listen, that. Listen, I need to know. I need to know who who Carson Wentz is paying. How many people Carson Wentz is paying in the media? Because they keep bringing this dude up. He's been trash plus trash on top of trash. Yeah, one good year, and then he got a, a MVP caliber season. He got hurt early. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, and he was never the same guy. 
ever again. Uh, and so, and so to me, I don't know. I I think we saw enough to know that Brees Hall's explosiveness is still there. We know what Dalvin Cook is. They do have guys on the field that can make plays at the wide receiver position. Um, so to me. I think you go old school. I think you run the ball. I think you play good defense. I think you try to simplify the passing game, find the things in the reads that this guy can execute. You try to adjust your playbook to things that he can do um, and see if he can make enough throws. At the end of the day, you know, he looked bad early, but he completed 67% of his passes. I mean, if you can take that and you can have, I mean, it wouldn't be pretty, but if you could, if you could get him to complete between 66 and 68 percent of his passes, and give you, uh, okay, this is kind of a pipe dream, but you know, two to one touchdowns to interceptions, I think you would take it. Even if I don't you're even, you don't even need two to one. You don't no, even need two to you one. You need, I, one to one, one to one is fine. The whole thing is don't turn the ball over. What what needs to happen for them to be successful is at the end of this season, he needs to have 10 or less turnovers. That's interceptions and fumbles. He needs to have 10 or less. Because he doesn't need to throw the ball more than 20 times a game. No more than 20. 25 max is the amount of times he should be throwing the ball. Now, again, Nathaniel Hackett could make adjustments in Denver. So why do why does anybody believe that he can make the adjustments for Zach Wilson? Right, and well, and I'm I, I'm not necessarily saying that he can, but I'm saying that this is what you have to hope for as a Jets fan that this is what happens because Zach Wilson's what you got, uh, you know. Right, Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron you got to you got to trust the coaches to do the right thing, and I don't believe Jeff Carr ain't walking through that door. Joe Namath ain't walking through that door. Well, I never wanted Brett Favre with the Jets anyway. Joe, Joe Namath is a pedestrian quarterback, so, you know. Vinny Testaverde is not walking through that door. Another pedestrian quarterback. But uh, – No, Vinny was good with the Jets. I'll take Vinny. Chad P- Shit, I'll take Chad Vinny right Pennington's now. Not, Chad Pennington's not walking I'll, through that door. I'll take Chad right now, even with no arm. Um, Ray, Ray Lucas isn't walking through that door. Um, I'll take Ray. <laughs> Neil, Neil O'Donnell isn't walking through that door. That's good, because Neil O'Donnell never should have been allowed in the door, ever. <laughs> Let me see how many more I can think of. This is, this is fun for me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, that's a good defense. Um, you got two dynamic backs. And uh, I I think that Certain plays, especially if you pick your spot, I, I think Garrett Wilson can get open, right? Like, so we will see. Uh, especially if these backs really, uh, you know, start doing their thing, and they're going to make you kind of cheat up, and you know, hopefully open it up for, you know, maybe you simplify it as I, much as just you know play actions downfield sometimes. I tell you what, because you didn't listen to me the last time, I put some money on it when I told you about Colorado, but I'm telling you now, I think the Jets are going to beat Dallas, 
but take the Jets and the points. You're going to make some money. Now, I, I listened to you on Colorado. I agree with you on Colorado, actually. Yeah, but you did uh, better. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, take 20 bucks, right? Right. Take the Jets and the points, bro. I'm telling you this right mm-hmm. now, and whoever's listening, the Jets and the points, because they're going to beat Dallas because Dak struggles with zone defenses, okay? Um, I don't believe that – I think Dak is going to have a bad – I think Dak's going to have a really good season. This is going to be a bad game for him. So take the Jets and the points. Now, I'm taking the Jets to win. Of course, I'm not gambling because I don't gamble. But if I tell you to gamble, people always win when I tell them to gamble. I don't, when I don't ever win when I gamble. That's why I don't gamble. But I'm telling you, take the Jets and the points. Put 20 bucks down, make you about 150. Um, so looking, there, there's a couple of teams that I think are on, um, that should be on upset alert this weekend. Uh, I'm nervous about the Saints going into Carolina. I understand rookie quarterback and all that, but the Saints have, uh, the Saints have lost that in Carolina so many times. It's unbelievable. Uh, the Panthers can get to the quarterback. So that's a game I'm pretty nervous yeah. about. Uh, I think Cincinnati's going to start 0-2 again. Uh, I think that's a tough matchup for them this weekend. Uh, you know, uh, Cleveland-Pittsburgh is an interesting game this weekend. There's yeah, a, I think Pittsburgh is that. There's a few there. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the Saints, bro, I told you, I don't trust the coach and I don't trust Derek Carr. And I know people want to say, oh, it was the first game. you got to give him time. Listen, man, Derek Carr does not look good in that offense. He does not look good. He, he does not look good. And it's a continuation of what we saw from him last season. So I still, you know, good luck I still think he's better than Andy Dalton was in that offense, but we'll see. I honestly think Jameis should be the starter. I think Jameis should be the starter down there, man. I'm telling you, by the fourth game of the season, you're going to be talking about, man, we might need to put Jameis in. Well, <laughs> Just saying. listen, listen, I've been a believer in Jameis. I was happy to guy him. I thought he was going to be the heir apparent. Uh, unfortunately, a couple of things that are not his fault, uh, a couple of injuries and that kind of thing have uh, have shortened his seasons and cost him to miss a chunk of time. Uh, I think that Jameis is still a very talented football player. Uh, I, I'm I'm a believer in Jameis Winston. I still think that he can be and will be for a franchise at some point, a, a productive starting quarterback um, in the NFL. I don't understand why, if he was healthy the second half of the season, uh, why Andy Dalton was still playing quarterback. Uh, And that's not typical of of the way that organization runs. What I will tell you is this. If Derek Carr really struggles in that offense this year, uh, and I say I want to see week four or five, um, before I really make that verdict, because I want to see uh, if they use Alvin Kamara the way he needs to be used. Uh, because if they do, there's a chance you can find some explosiveness there. 
and and we'll see. But uh, if it doesn't work, this by the way, and this team, how is Alvin Kamara only suspended three games? So we just not gonna pay attention to the domestic violence stuff, right? We don't care about that. Yeah, I I don't. I don't know. This wasn't domestic. This was uh No, this was that's what I'm saying. There there was also a domestic violence thing that happened during this off season. Yeah, I, I don't understand. And nobody wants to talk about it and they don't want to suspend him for it, so we're just gonna pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. Meanwhile okay. Julio who Julio Urias is going to be gone from the Dodgers, and he'll be lucky if he gets the job again. Um, he's going to be gone probably a full season. I think yeah. I think and he goes for at least 120 games. Well, here's the crazy thing, though. I mean, he's a free agent after this year. They could suspend him, but if, if nobody signs him, does it really count as a yeah. suspension if he doesn't? Okay. No. No, suspension don't start until he's on a roster. Right. And so if no team signs him or picks him up, then that arm, somebody's going to sign him. Trust me, somebody's going to sign him. You know that. It won't be the the Dodgers. I think it might be. I think it might be. Well, because I, you know, this, ain't, this ain't his I, first incident with the Dodgers. I understand, and that's why I don't think it is going to be the Dodgers. And they have pretty much come out in the media and made the statement that the organization was going to move on from him. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Cause, yeah, um, like it's funny how the Dodgers can get these terrible human beings, isn't it? Right. <laughs> And is it more, I mean, maybe it's the more opportunities and more temptations in LA that brings it out in them? I don't know. Uh, but. No, I'm not blaming you on the on environment. You're you, you a terrible human being. You're a terrible human being. Uh, we got him. We got what's his face down in Tampa. Trevor Bauer. Uh, who should, who, first of all. Oh, Wander Franco. Who, who should have already been cut. Yeah, he, he, he should have already been cut by the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay, this is the team that told my we go take take the name Devil out because bibi bibi bibi. But listen, that contract should be already be voided. It should already be voided. Period. End of story. Because it ain't one, it ain't two, it ain't three, it ain't four. It's like five. It's the whole LeBron thing in a a terrible um, connotation. Not one, not two, not three. Come on, man. Yeah, this contract yeah. should already be voided. And to me, if you're Tampa, you void that, and you and you thank God you got out of having to pay that contract because, uh, listen, he and uh, him and uh, your boy from the Rockets, they might they might have to go upstate oh, together for a while. Well, and here's the thing: the Rockets are trying to trade him. Why again? Why is he still? Why is he still part of the organization? First of all, Kevin Porter, even if you don't go to – Kevin Porter should not be allowed in the NBA, regardless of how this turns out, until he makes the decision to stay on his medication. That's the first thing. 
okay? Because every single time stuff happens with him, and there's been a lot of stuff, he has stopped taking his meds. This is somebody, and this, this is documented, and I'm not saying this like as a, as a flip comment. He has real mental health issues, and he really needs to stay on his meds. That does not excuse or justify the domestic violence piece. Those two things can be true, okay? He ain't a good guy, and he also has mental health issues. I have mental health issues. That don't make me a bad person, okay? Now, if I was a bad person and had mental health issues, one don't cause the other. You're an asshole, you're an asshole, okay? I don't know a whole lot of assholes with mental health issues. I know a whole lot of people with mental health issues ain't assholes. But he should not be allowed, once this, this other thing goes, gets resolved, because you know he's not going to jail, what's going to happen is probation and all the other nonsense. He should not be allowed on an NBA roster until it is confirmed for at least nine months that he has stayed on his medication. Uh, facts. Nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. Call in number. Uh, the voice you were just listening to is Mr. Chandler Knight. Uh, we bring you roundtable gumbo every Thursday night uh, on the Sports City Chefs Network, Blog Talk Radio, and all the other platforms. You can listen to us on all your smart speakers and all those devices as well. Just tell it play Sports City Chefs. Like and subscribe. We got some articles that came up this week. Uh, Fantasy Sleepers by Controversy James Greenwood, uh, Barry wrote a stardom sit uh, A couple, uh, an article from Barry this week about um, his New York Football Giants and the performance that they had <laughs> this previous Sunday night. Also, a finger oh foods on that, and, a, and there's a finger foods up uh, about the scintillating performance turned in by the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, on Sunday as well. So you can find all that uh, on our website. Uh, through our YouTube channel and all that content. So check them out. They're definitely uh, here to be entertaining. All I know is Villain laughed at me and got to give me a hard time because my team got embarrassed by his in the college uh, field a week before. And then, lo and behold, one week later, after all the laughing that he did, he had to watch, sit and watch his pro team get bludgeoned every bit as bad as my college team did, and in a lot of ways worse, just seven days later. Listen, don't mess with karma. <laughs> you know, I um, Wednesday, right? Wednesday, yesterday. I'm laying there. I got I got the uh, phone next to me. It's 8, about 8.30, right? I'm like, I'm going to call into the show. You know I fell asleep and woke up at 11.15, right? Uh, so I thought you were about to tell me you fell asleep. <laughs> no, I was going to call in, talk about the Giants. I do it. I closed my eyes for one second. I think it was 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, man. <laughs> oh. so those, those are out there um, for, for this past week. So uh, interesting enough, listen, don't buy in on the Rams or think that the 49ers are going to have a letdown game. The 49ers have abused the Rams the last few years they've played them. Uh, that's not going to change Sunday. Don't don't buy. Don't buy on the L.A. Rams. I'm just saying. Don't, don't do it. Uh, what do you think about this Giants trip to 
Arizona. Is this a get well game for uh, the Giants, or is this a uh, caution wet floor sign uh, sitting out there, uh, you know, when they get off the bus, getting ready to walk into that stadium in Arizona? I think even if they win, they won't look good. Um, see, the, the, the organization might, is trying to tank. The players aren't. So I think that Arizona could mess around and win this game. Or if the Giants win it by like a last-second field goal, which, again, is like a loss, because why are you struggling with the Arizona Cardinals? You know what I'm saying? You shouldn't be struggling with that team, and that they're going to struggle with that team because, again, Daniel Jones is a better running back than he is quarterback, period, end of story. He's a better running back than he is quarterback. So I, I think, man, Giants fans are going to be in for it this season. They're going to be in for it. Um, this is going to be a long season for them. And see, something I didn't know, I didn't know that Dayball was from the Parcells tree. I'm not Parcells, the Belichick tree, which means that that team is going to suck because all of, all of the Belichick assistants, they have a good season their first season, and after that it all goes downhill. So sorry, Giants fans. They're going to have a long season. But, hey, maybe you'll get Caleb Williams. Here's a, here's a bright spot maybe for Buffalo if they suck really bad. Maybe that Buffalo can, since they think, since it's people's opinion that Dabo fixed Josh Allen, because he's going to need some fixing after this season. I, I have a feeling we'll see. But maybe if if he does suck it up, he'll get rehired in Buffalo to work with Josh Allen, and then the Bills can. Oh, they're not going to fire Dabo. No, they're not firing <laughs> him after this season. No, not after. No, the this GM. Season. I think it, it, the it GM. A couple bad years. Who, you know, the GM who, who decided to give Daniel Jones that money, um, he might be looking for a job. Daniel Jones, franchise quarterback. Uh, $80 million dollars guaranteed. It's been an interesting debate because on who's better, uh, there are some people that still think that Daniel Jones is as good as Dak Prescott. Uh, and so, uh, okay, yeah, I, I I said it, uh, and I, I can't say that I said it with a straight face though. All right, uh, I'm going to pivot back to uh, to football in a moment, but I did want to give you a stat line. Hold on, let me see if I can find it here. Um, Ronald Acuna, Chandler. With 16 games to go, 199 hits, 133 runs, 66 stolen bases, 37 home runs, 335 batting average, and a 416 on base percentage. Uh, pretty impressive, heady stuff there. Uh, he's gonna. I think he's gonna get to 40 and 70. So can we stop as good a season as Mookie's had? Can we stop? Can we stop acting like that this is somebody else's uh, MVP award in the National League? 
the only people who are bringing up Mookie Betts are media people. Um, there's no actual baseball fan, not even Dodger fans, who think Mookie Betts should win and win the MVP. Okay. Um, why these media people are bringing it up so they can act like you know they had a real tough choice? Listen, or to try, maybe to justify vote. I don't. I don't know what the hell is going on. Maybe maybe they owe Mookie money. I don't know. This, the MVP races in either league have been over for close to two months. They've been over for close to two months. It's Otani and Acuna, and it's not close. It's not close. Judge is going to come in second because he still wound up missing 50,000 games, still wound up hitting 30 home runs. Mookie's going to come in second. It's not going to be a close second for either one of them. Every single first-place vote should go to Otani and Acuna. Now, I think, and that's crazy. I I think in other seasons, I think that Betts, Freeman, and Olsen would be a very good discussion for an MVP race. But not when a man's going 40 and 70 and hitting 335 with 100-plus runs, with 100-plus RBIs, and – I mean, listen, he might, he might score over 140 runs. I mean, he probably will. That's just crazy. Um, I've never understood why guys get credit for runs scored. That ain't got nothing to do with you. you you got to get on base, obviously. But if you don't have guys to actually drive you in, you ain't scoring no runs. So I've never understood why players got credit for, oh, he scored so many runs. Yes, because he's got good players behind him and they drove him in. Well, I, I think that scoring runs is less important than hits, average, home runs, steals. I think it's less important than those uh, than those stats, um, for sure. I agree with you. It, it definitely it takes the rest of your team, other than the home runs that you hit, of course. Um, and, and you could argue that if you're a good base stealer and you do steal bases early, that, you know, maybe a, uh, you steal second, a ground ball gets you to third, a sack fly gets you in. So some of your work on the base pass assisted you in being able to score those runs. But you did get credit for a steal along the way. So I, I, yeah. I definitely see I definitely see what you're saying for sure. Um, it, it, it just to me – to lead all of baseball, not just the National League, and that many categories. And the guy's improved as a hitter this year. He's become more patient. He struck out a lot less. And, you know, he, he, a lot of his outs are even hard hit. He had a ground ball to second base the other day. It was right at the guy. No way he was going to beat out because he hit it so hard. It was 118 miles an hour off his bat. That's a rocket. And it's not going to be right at the guy. Right? He's just he's hitting the ball hard every time up almost, it seems like. Um, every once in a while he gets fooled. I mean, okay, that happens to any and everybody that's ever played the game. Uh, but he's not chasing. He's not striking out as much. You know, his on-base percentage is a full 80 points more than his batting average. Um, so it, he's doing all the things that you want a leadoff man to do, and he's doing all the things that you want a middle-of-the-order power hitter to do. And – I think, once again, I think that Mookie Betts could very well be an MVP in a lot of other seasons. It's just not this one, bro. It's just not this one. Um, 
what Mookie Betts is doing, he's having a special, special season. Come on. Sorry, I'm yeah. talking to the dog. Dog is being annoying. Yeah, so he, he's definitely having a special year. Chandler, you got any thoughts on the uh, U.S. performance in the World Cup? Uh, you talking FIBA or are you talking soccer? No, uh, FIBA. Um, I said it the other day. They had Bobby Portis on the roster. You ain't, you, I don't give a damn who else you got on the team. If you put Bobby Portis on that team, you deserve to lose. I'm sorry. Um, it was a flawed team. It was a small team. And see, this goes back to when, I forget who it was. Oh, Victor Wimbanyama, when he said European basketball is more physical than American basketball. And everybody screamed, oh, he don't know what he's talking about. And then the Americans got bullied in FIBA. What's the one thing everybody said? They're too small. They're too small. But if all the European big men are so soft, the size shouldn't have mattered because you should have been able to bully them, right? You should have been able to just put the booty on them just, and just walk them down because we're so much tougher than they are. European basketball has never been soft. Just because their guys, a lot of guys don't play in the paint don't mean that they, they, they don't play hard and play physical. They got bullied, as to be expected, because they went over there with a flawed team because Steve Kerr thought he was smarter than everybody else. That's what they get. And now, of course, now LeBron wants to come save the day. I'm not trying to hear it. LeBron, go away. Okay? Go away. If you want to go to Paris, go take a damn vacation. I don't want to hear about LeBron. He's recruiting people for your Olympics. If you really want to do something, your ass should have played in the FIBA tournament. I think, I think at the end of the day, I think the Olympics are seen as most important. You qualify to get in there. Yeah, it'd have been nice to win the World Cup, but I do think that the squad that the U.S. puts out in Paris is going to look a lot different from the squad they put out in the FIBA tournament. Um, now, what does that do? We will see. Um, but I think that uh, – the U.S. should be able to put together a team and go win this thing. Otherwise, the world's closed a lot faster than people want to give them credit for. So, I mean, we will see. I mean, I, I, I think that if nothing else for mainstream media, it's a compelling thing. Oh, they took a loss. They finished fourth, blah, blah, blah. And now they come back and win gold. So we'll see. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of team they put together. Because um, I think the Olympics next year are late August into September. So uh, guys will have a chance to kind of rest their legs a little bit before they got to go into this thing, I think. So uh, we will see uh, for sure what happens. I, I definitely think this roster could have been constructed a little better, but I do think, and, we, and you and I talked about this the other day, I think this is a tremendous growth opportunity for a kid like Anthony Edwards. Um, I think that he is going to – uh, take his game to another level in the NBA as well. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, we talked about Kevin Porter. That got mentioned earlier this week. Um, 
upset alert this weekend. I'm very nervous about LSU going into Mississippi State, playing one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the league and Will Rogers. Now, I know that team's still trying to figure things out because they went away from that air raid to a more conventional pro-style type of uh, a team. And Mississippi State was lucky to win last weekend. They got five turnovers and still needed overtime to win against an Arizona squad. But this feels like a uh, – this feels like uh, a game that Brian Kelly and company could uh, – could slip up, especially at 11 a.m. in the morning. Uh, this is uh, this is one of your top 25 games that could be an upset. Uh, Who are we talking about? I'm sorry, because I'm uh, L- at the door. Who are we talking about? LSU goes into Starkville to play Mississippi State this weekend. And that's uh, an 11 a.m. game. Yeah, that's a loss. And, and I just said Will Rogers from Mississippi State, one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the league. Um, part of it is because that air raid offense holds all the passing records, but he has been around for a long time. Um, you know, people may sleep on Arizona, uh, on Mississippi State a little bit, especially since they had five turnovers and still needed overtime to pull out a close game against Arizona. Uh, but this is a this is a sneaky tough matchup for LSU uh, going into Starkville. So you know, this this Cowboys going wild, Cowbells going wild. We'll see. Uh, but if I I don't I don't bet on my I don't uh, I'm trying to bet period but I I definitely don't bet on my favorite teams that's a that's a bad recipe Uh, so but if I were if I were laying money even if I LSU is a ten and a half point favorite uh, just a couple days ago. Ten and a half. Oh yeah, bro. Come on, son. Yeah. Come on, son. So no. I would uh I would bet Mississippi State plus the points for sure. I would I would I would uh I would take Mississippi State to, to cover that ten and a half for sure. And then if I were playing that game, I would lay a side bet on Mississippi State in the money line on that as well. If I were making, yeah, I don't know what that means. The money line thing, I don't know what that means. I just know that uh, Brian Kelly is going to screw this up. If 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 you're if you bet the points, it's you you win what you bet, right? You bet fifty five, you take home fifty, kind of thing, because of the juice money. But uh, the money line bet means if you bet on the underdog to win the game outright, then it pays a lot better than. You know, you winning back what you put down. So, I I believe I I think it's a very sure bet for Mississippi State to cover those points, even if yeah. LSU were to win the game. Um, I would bet whatever you want to on that, but I would lay a side bet on Mississippi State to win outright because that's probably going to pay something like that's probably going to pay two to one. Uh, no, the, the when I the few times I have bet uh, in the past, I guess year. Um, I don't go over twenty dollars. No, even if I'm only gonna win twenty five, I ain't betting more than twenty dollars. Cause I can right. afford to lose twenty dollars. You know what I'm saying? That's like going to McDonald's or something. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not betting no more than that. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, no, I, I don't. See, the so, thing is, I don't trust Brian Kelly, and you know that. I don't trust Brian Kelly. I, I believe that LSU is going to win. 
they play what, 12, 13 games, right? 12 games? They play 12. They play 12. They're going to go 10 and 2. They're going to go 10 and 2. Um, and like I said to you before the season started, they'll be on the cusp of um, what the hell is that? The college football playoff? And at the end of the season, it's going to look like he had a really good season. But the people who actually watch will know that he gave away games. That's Brian Kelly. It's what he's always done. He did it at Notre Dame for years. Yeah. I, we 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 definitely will see. I, if they lose this game, they won't go 10-2. I promise you that. Uh, oh, yeah. They, it won't happen. Uh, yeah, we'll I'm telling you 10-2 right now. 10-2. No. Well, I'm telling you right now, if they finish 10-2, they better win this football game. Uh, because because you, you still got to go to Alabama. Uh, you still got to go to Ole Miss. You got Arkansas coming in next weekend. Uh, they play A&M. Winnable game. Oh, that's, a, that's at home. A&M's a winnable game, yes. Uh, for sure. No, Alabama's uh, a winnable game. Alabama just lost to Texas uh, I, B. Yeah, I agree with you. Alabama is a winnable game. I just, I don't know. There's too many pitfalls. I, if this team starts one and two, I, I don't think there's any way they win nine straight. Okay. Uh, uh, just telling you. Listen, <laughs> um, I'll tell you this. Uh, I'll take ten and two this year. When, when you look at. Uh, I was I was okay with nine and three last year. That wasn't expected last season, and they got the team in the bowl game. This team came off two five hundred seasons, uh, and one one year under five hundred because they lost the bowl game uh, in in the previous two seasons. And uh, the two seasons after they won the national championship, they finished five hundred and five hundred because Ed Orgeron uh, was too busy chasing around Young Tail, and then uh, then wanted to. Act like his practice was uh, more significant than uh, campus-wide protests behind the whole George Floyd thing. So, uh, you know, he lost his team, and uh, something had to be done differently. The other option was Billy Napier, who is now the head coach at Florida. Uh, I don't think that was it either. Uh, but you know, we'll see. Kirk Cousins just threw a pick. Uh, water is wet, and Thursday comes after Wednesday. Uh, so, uh, no surprise there that Kirk Cousins, uh, I like to call him a paper tiger because he looks a lot better on the stat sheet than he really is uh, at, play, at, at, at than he does on the field. So, uh, And that's over the third turnover of the game. So, we have... Uh, in the American League, we got some close races. Uh, Texas has bounced back to win the first three games in the series against the Blue Jays. So the Blue Jays are now on the outside looking in. Right now it's uh, Houston. There is, as the Western Division leaders, you have Baltimore only two games. Uh, Baltimore and Tampa are separated by two games in the American League East, so that's still a race. Whoever doesn't win that division uh, will get the top wild card and face the Twins 
uh, in the first round. No, 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 no. Lies. Whoever wins will get the top wild card and face the second wild card, who right now, uh, if the season ended today, would be Seattle. And then the third wild card today is Texas. Uh, Toronto's still on the outside looking in, but those are the seven teams in contention for those six playoff spots. Nobody else is going to get there. Um, it's those seven, and now Max Scherzer out, Chandler, for the year. Uh, your thoughts on the Rangers' prospects uh, in the postseason, if they can get there? Yeah, I trust Bruce Bochy. Um, and shame on everybody that's celebrating Max Scherzer getting hurt. Listen, we all know that Max Scherzer is kind of a clown, honestly. He's kind of a clown. Um, he loves to run his mouth once he's left somewhere. He's extremely thin-skinned and insecure. Um, how you could not want to pitch with Justin Verlander twice is beyond me. Beyond me. Because all that does is take stress and pressure off of you if you got him in the rotation with you. And on two separate teams, he wanted he didn't want to pitch with Justin Verlander because you want more shine. I don't get it. So you know, I get all sorry, I get all of that. But to celebrate this man getting hurt, that's foul. But I trust Bruce Bochy. I trust Bruce Bochy. Um, I think the Rangers, and I said at the beginning of the season, I think the Rangers are going to be in the playoffs. Um, I think they still can win the division. I think they, I, I still think they'll win the division. I could be wrong about that one, but they definitely making the playoffs. I don't think they're catching Houston, and I think that uh, some of the arms for Toronto that have been good this year are kind of coming back down to earth. Kikuchi's gotten lit up his last couple times out. Uh, Manoa's been shut down for the year. Uh, listen, Chris Bassett has still been good for them. Uh, Jose Barrios, but he started to kind of struggle. Uh, Kevin Gossin's really about the only steady force in that rotation. Um, I just think going to be a little bit too little too late for the, uh, for the Blue Jays. I think Houston – is going to hold people off in that division. Hunter Brown came back, pitched well last night. Uh, I think Houston's going to hold people off in that division. But I do not think that they are by any means um, a shoo-in to make the World Series. And I think I think everybody. Uh, to me, that's what makes this postseason fun in the American League is I think everybody's flawed. Right? Like, I don't like the pitching depth in, in Tampa and Baltimore, but they still keep finding a way to win. Um, Minnesota's struggles have been well-documented, even though at times they play good ball and look like a division champ. Uh, Seattle's very helter-skelter up and down. If Seattle gets the offense rolling at all with that rotation, they ha- they do have the ability to be uh, a problem in the postseason. This is a team that I said at the beginning of the year, I really liked them to make the playoffs. And then, you know, come June, I really started doubting my <laughs> predictions there. Uh, but they got crazy hot and got back into it. And uh, But, you know, Julio Rodriguez has missed some time with a sore foot, so can he be healthy for them? 
that's an interesting piece. But I, I think just about anybody in the that makes the American League playoffs has the ability or the potential to go to the World Series. I can make a case for any of them. Uh, and so I, I think that's what's fun to me is there's not a clear cut. Oh yeah, this is the giant in this in this division. And then looking at the National League. Uh, the Braves, best record in the league. They just went into Philly, and it had to feel good to win three out of four in Philadelphia and be able to celebrate the division title on their field when they were when they ended the the, the Braves season last year. So uh, that had to be nice. But in these three wins, uh, the Braves coughed up a ninth inning lead. Listen. Rafael Iglesias is really good for Atlanta. He was a pitcher of the month in August. Bryce Harper is something like six for nine against this guy with four home runs. Yeah, it's it's absolutely insane uh, how well he's hit him. Uh, and so uh, the Braves had to win in extra innings in game one. They had to come back and get it done late again in the third game of that series after losing game two. And then, I mean, they, they got down in that game and fought back. Uh, they won game uh, four, four to one. Strider came back and pitched well after having a shaky outing last time out. So only one of those games is really decisive. I'm telling you, uh, this Philadelphia team with that offense and with uh, guys like Wheeler and Nola at the top of that rotation, and even the left-hander Sanchez has pitched pretty good, uh, team – they're not scared of the Braves, and they do present some matchup problems. And the Braves should be able to beat them. But, you know, Philly beat them last year in the postseason, and they're not scared of them. And so, uh, listen, you can't sleepwalk through a series with this team. Uh, the Phillies are going to be a problem in the postseason. Uh, the second-best team in the National League, Dodgers, man, they're, I don't know who's going to pitch. Uh, Kershaw with the bum shoulder, and then maybe like you may be seeing rookies like Ryan Pepio and Evan Sheehan pitching in the postseason for this team. Uh, they're starting pitching now. Bueller's never not coming back till next year. Dustin May's out. Uh, Gonsolin's out. Uh, you know all these injuries amongst starting pitchers. Uh, I don't know how they're going to cobble this together, um, and so this is going to be a team that. Uh, Definitely has a lot of flaws, too. Uh, and then looking at this channel right now, uh, the first wild card would be the Phillies. The second wild card would be the Cubs. The Diamondbacks have climbed back into that third wild card spot. The Giants and Reds are still lurking, so we do have eight teams, really. Uh, and the Marlins are still kind of hanging around, too. So you got nine teams, really, uh, in this race for these six playoff spots. Your thoughts on the... Uh, pennant races and or the playoff picture in the National League? I'll wait to see how it all turns out. Um, I just, uh, it's too much, it's, it's still too many things up in the air right now for me. I just like the fact that there's so many, te- so many teams are competitive and that there's so many teams that have an opportunity right now. So I'm, I'm actually just watching as, as, Somebody's just excited about the fact that there's so many teams with an opportunity. I just want to see how it turns out right now. 
I, I think that's what makes it fun this year, Chandler, uh, honestly, is that you can make a case for a lot of these teams having the, the opportunity to possibly get there or get to a World Series. There's not a clear-cut, I mean, favorite. On paper, the favorite has to be Atlanta. But they can be had, right? Anybody can be. Um, the Braves are now they're sitting at 282 home runs with 16 games to go. So they need 27 to tie and 28 to break the 2019 Minnesota Twins record for most home runs by any team in a regular season. Uh, that number sits at 309 uh, for the Minnesota Twins. So uh, the Braves have a chance at that home run record as well. Matt Olson, Chandler, like he goes a couple weeks without hitting home runs. Now he's in the midst of a 10-game hitting streak uh, with eight home runs on that streak. So he's tied Andrew Jones at 51. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time he's going to break that franchise record. Um, he's had an impressive year. I mean, there was some definitely some disappointment about Freddie Freeman being gone, but uh, this guy's younger and going to be around for a while. I think they're okay at first base. Yeah, because, you know, Brian Cashman and, and his brain trust were too smart to trade for him. Yeah. Nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. Um our call in number Tanner, why do people insist on poking the bear? Um you had the off season comments you had the off season comments by Matt Rule that Dion called fuel and now the Colorado State coach had to say this ignorant statement about I was taught as a uh, as a child when I talk to adults, I take off my hat and my sunglasses. It's a respect thing. Uh, why do these coaches who have undermanned teams insist on trying to poke the bear going into a matchup with Colorado? Because they keep trying to find a way to cut down a black coach. So now you're saying that he wasn't raised properly like you were. Um, You're saying he has no respect. Oh, and by the way, as a child, yes, you should when you're talking to an adult. But last I checked, Deion Sanders wasn't a child. Right. Last I checked, he wasn't a child. So you're calling him immature and poor, <clears throat> you're calling him immature, childish, and poorly raised. Um, I'm sorry, Jay Norvell. Um, how do you have a job in college football again? Oh, that's right. You got a brother that coaches college football, huh? Mm-hmm. And and how many how many how many games has Colorado State won since he's been the head coach? Not a lot. Pretty sure, not a lot. Listen. This is going to continue happening. It's going to continue happening. Because now that you get your 30 seconds, because trust me, nobody was interviewing him last year ahead of the Colorado Colorado State game. Nobody gave a damn about that game. So instead of you taking the opportunity to recruit for your school, instead of you saying thank you, Dion for this extra publicity we're getting, which ESPN wasn't talking to us last year or the year before that, 
or the year before that, or the year before that. Okay, we didn't have 50, we didn't have hundreds of media credentials to give out for the game. We're not going to make any, you know, the amount of money we're going to get now for this game has increased for the entire conference. Because you remember all that money the only schools make, it goes in the pot, gets divvied up. Instead of that, you're so jealous that a black head coach is getting all this publicity that they can't help themselves. They can't help themselves. That the racism, the racism, it just, it's, it's just spilling out. They can't hold it in. They can't hold it in. Well, I'm just saying, I'm just, you're, de- you're definitely out, man. You're definitely out, man. You're adding fuel to the fire, and you're gonna get embarrassed on Saturday, and you got nobody to blame but yourself. It's gonna get nasty. And then you got to go to midfield and shake his hand. Now, see, Dion ain't me because I'm petty. I wouldn't even shake his hand. I wouldn't even cross the field. As soon as, as, soon as the game's over, I'd turn around and walk off. I'd give him my back. But Dion's going to go out there. He's going to shake his hand. I wouldn't. I might go out there and spit in his face. I certainly wouldn't shake his hand. But, yeah, Colorado State, see, and the thing is, Colorado State actually had a chance to win this game. Because I think that this was a game where if we were ever going to see the team be a little overconfident, I think this was the game. Yeah, not not now. Not now. And, and, and last year, because that was the only game that the Colorado team won. They won 1-11. Their only victory was against Colorado State. And nobody uh, so, even noticed they were 1-11. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Except for people in Colorado, and if and the only right. way you would have noticed it is if you happen to just glance at the pat at the conference races and just see them on that very last line of the Pac-12, <laughs> like in the mm-hmm. standings. Uh, that that's the only way you even knew anything about this program. That was once very proud. This is Cordell Stewart. This is Michael Westbrook. This is Rashawn Tamar. This was a team that uh, in 1990 shared a national championship with. Another team that's very relevant today, Georgia Tech. Uh, so yeah, so <laughs> that's when. See, that's I'm, waiting. God. Go ahead. I'm waiting for the Oregon game. I'm waiting for the Oregon game because remember when the Oregon coach said we don't care about Colorado leaving and ah da 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 da, and then the very next week they turned around and said they're leaving the conference. Yeah. yeah, I, I mean, Oregon coach, yeah. he had a lot to say about Colorado leaving and how terrible it was. They were deserting them, and then they turned around. This was all while knowing his team was in negotiations to leave the Pac-12. Okay? Yeah, that's the game I'm waiting on. But, yeah, Jay Norvell, yeah, bro, you just you just guaranteed your team getting dog-walked. Now that it doesn't matter anymore, uh, it was 27-7, Philly. Um, Kirk Cousins just hit Jordan Addison, I think, for a 62-yard touchdown. So it's going to be 27-14 and look a little bit more respectable. Uh, but Minnesota's getting 
couldn't. Uh, yeah. Well, it's prime time. Which means, yeah, which means Kirk Cousins yeah. going to give it up at least twice. You know, right? And 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 this Minnesota team, we talked about this last night on the cookout. Last year they were eleven and zero in one possession games. A couple of their losses they got beat really badly. Uh, but the low averages are going to catch up. You're not going to win uh, that many one possession games uh, every season, and it, you know it could very easily flip back on this year. If they do have any one possession games, uh, you, you know you could look up and see two and nine at the end of this year or something. Uh, I, I think it's going to come back on them. Uh, this team's going to this team's going to struggle. I, I think Hawkinson's still going to be okay for fantasy purposes. I think Justin Jefferson's still going to get some yards. I don't know that he's going to. I don't know that he has enough on the field with him or like quarterback. I, I don't think he's going to surpass what he did last season. Uh, but I, and the thing is, is, I don't know that if, if he doesn't, that's not necessarily an indictment on him as a player, more on the system and where he's at and and what they have on that team. Yeah. Um, um, see, here's where if the Minnesota Vikings were smart. Number one, they don't. Kirk Cousins is playing out his contract. They don't want to pay him. Okay. Here's where if the Vikings were smart, which they're not. If they were well run, which they're not. I would call the Jets after this game. I call the Jets and like, listen, um, give us a second. Well, just give it a second round pick. Give us two thirds and a future first. Two thirds of the upcoming draft and a future first. And we'll give you Kirk Cousins. And what we'll do, because in case we have to make it work for salary cap, we'll restructure his contract so he gets a lot of bonus money, so it'll fit under your cap. Now, I personally think the Jets should say not just no, but hell no. But if the Vikings were smart, by the trade deadline, they would move Kirk Cousins. They would move him. Matter of fact, I'd call the Jets and I'd call Tennessee. Maybe even do a straight-up swap, Tannehill for Cousins. Because for Cousins. You, <laughs> listen, you don't, have a, you don't have a quarterback in the building. You don't, have a, you don't have a good backup. You don't have a young quarterback. But you're not going to pay Cousins, and he's going to be mediocre enough so that you won't have a high draft pick. So now you're in that that, that – Purgatory of you're not good enough to get a good a good quarterback in the draft, but you're too good you're too good to get a young quarterback in the draft, and you're not good enough to win anything. So, the smart thing to do, smart thing to do, would be to move cousin, move off of cousins. You know, that's hell. Take Tannehill back. Don't take Tannehill back. It don't matter. Go go get go get Malik Willis from Tennessee who I think should be starting in Tennessee, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, or, hell, go get Will Levis if you really want to suck. And then maybe – And the thing – I think Tennessee will trade Willis before they trade Levis. And that's, that would be a mistake by Tennessee, but that's a different conversation. I, I, agree with, I agree with you, but I think they will. Yeah, I do too. So, you know what? Go get Malik Willis. And – if he does turn to be terrible, guess what? Now you got a shot at Shadur Sanders 
or the, the clown from North Carolina, who I don't think is going to be a good quarterback, but everybody loves. I think his last name is May, right? Um, yeah, Drake May. Or yeah, Caleb I think Williams. the kid from Duke. Or Caleb Williams. I think the kid from Duke is going to be a better pro quarterback than May. I'm saying that right now. Yeah. Jordan Travis but, is another one that will have a chance. Yeah, but, but you uh, see what I'm saying? Now you have an opportunity to get you a young quarterback. You have Jefferson, who's still young. You have a lot of good young talent, basically. Madison is still still young, still cheap. Jefferson, okay, and that's the other piece. If you go get a young quarterback, now you can pay Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. Listen, the Vikings, they, they let Diggs go before they paid him. And they let Diggs go because they felt like that Justin Jefferson had the opportunity to be a solid receiver, Stephen Diggs. Okay, so is he uh, – you, uh, you can hear people argue that either way. I can argue that the drop-off at that position, once they brought Jefferson in after letting Diggs go, it has, they have not suffered at that position, right? But at the end of the not day – But at the end of the day, you're not going to keep striking gold just deciding to replace these guys with younger, the next big thing coming up. So you need to, especially in today's NFL, you need to lock up a franchise receiver. And I've seen that kid from high school on and how much he's worked and improved his game. Justin Jefferson is the kind of guy that you want as your number one receiver franchise guy in your locker room. Uh, He he works hard. Listen, uh, you know why Justin Jefferson got to go to LSU? Because his older brothers both went there, too. It was legacy. Justin Jefferson was a two, in some people's minds, a three-star, but uh, an undersized guy coming out of high school. Athletic, but undersized. I'm listening to you. I'm sorry. Athletic, athletic but undersized. Uh, got there, went through the strength Really worked on his pass. Really worked on his route running. Say it again. Uh, damn it! I thought you was on mute. I'm sorry. Um, I was looking at my no, bank account good. to see if I had enough money to go to the store, and I got way more money than I'm supposed to have. <laughs> oh, okay. Surprise. Um, <laughs> surprise. So, no, uh, you know how scary that is, right? Wait a minute. Because <laughs> it's uh, like, okay, what bill didn't get paid? <laughs> right. Did I pay my property tax? Uh, <laughs> nah, so, I mean, just looking at it, though, um, you know, he has, he's one of those guys that has gotten better. And when he got to the league, didn't act like he arrived and wanted to continue to better his game. Justin Jefferson's a better receiver right now than he was two years ago. Uh, he's just he's got that kind of work ethic. He's going to lead by example, and then as he continues to grow in the league, uh, he'll be able to lead in a lot of other ways too. This is a guy that gets it, um, and he is the type of guy that I think you want as a franchise receiver. So, uh, listen, that that's a guy Minnesota needs to pay. Nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine is our uh, calling number. Anybody wants to be part of the show, we're locked and loaded here with you just for the next few minutes. Uh, we'll yeah, we'll go about 10 minutes. Probably, 
Yeah, we're probably going to knock off in 10 minutes, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah. looking around, let's see. Uh, college football this weekend, pro football. I'm just kind of trying to glance through um, and see what games really jump out at me. Uh, we mentioned Pittsburgh. We mentioned Baltimore, Cincinnati. Uh, let's see. Two games on Monday night. Those those are those two that we just mentioned. Uh, let me look around here. Chandler at this weekend schedule. Who's Geno Smith losing to this week? Say that again. Who's Geno Smith losing to this week? Right. Um, that was not um, a pretty game for him. Uh, Green Bay is going to Green Bay is going uh, to Atlanta this weekend. That that game happens. Uh, this weekend. That's going to be a good game. That's going to be a good game. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, styles make fights. You have a team that wants to run the ball, is going to run the ball, you know they're going to run the ball, and ain't a damn thing you can do about it. And a team that loves to pass the ball is going to pass the ball, any damn thing you can do about it. That's going to be a good one, in my opinion. Seattle's at Detroit this weekend. Oh, they're getting smoked. Yeah. Seattle's getting smoked. Yeah. Because, as I said last season, Geno, everybody, oh, Geno finally found it. Geno Smith had the one good season of his career. Okay. He's still Geno Smith. He's still Geno Smith. And, and and listen, I like Geno coming out of college. Um, my problem with Geno has always been he thinks he's better than he is. And the whole thing last season was about screwing over Russell Wilson and now Karma's coming back for them. For the Seahawks. So um but yeah, I think that that Detroit game with yeah, that Green Bay Atlanta game. If you can watch that, watch that game. That's gonna be a good game. Chicago at Tampa this weekend. And Q, oh, yeah. Man, I meant to bring this up earlier, but distracted. Can we stop blaming Geno Smith for the fact that his offensive coaches called call, call a, terrible, call a terrible game last week? Did you, have, did you get to watch the replay of that game? Mike? I did. Did you see what I was talking about with the home I did. when they were calling the plays? You literally sitting at home, you'd be like, oh, this is just about to be a pitch to the left, screen to the right, bubble screen here. I'm sitting at home. Everybody's like, oh, he's got to be better. His coaches have to call better plays. But, hey, you know, whatever. It's, it's always the player's fault. It's never the coaches. Can you uh... – I will. Sorry, I don't answer questions for my kid before he goes to bed. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, so it's that time. I had a couple of questions real quick for Dad. So, uh, I just 
answer that real quick. Uh, so no, it's okay. No, I think it's uh, yeah. At, at some point, we gotta, you know, it, it, it's blame to go around, but and it always on the players. Sometimes it's on the coaches, but sometimes it's on the players to execute what's being called. So, uh, you know, it's situational, for sure. Um, yeah, and it, it would have helped if the offensive line could have blocked somebody. I'm just saying. Right, and you know. I, People need to pump brakes a little bit on Baker Mayfield, though. Not a bad first game. He's got some weapons, but uh, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I I wouldn't be putting any money on him being yeah. a difference maker over the course of an entire season in Tampa. Yeah. Uh, Didn't they beat the Vikings? They did. So why is anybody excited about a team that beat the Vikings? Everybody beats the Vikings. Right. Yeah, that's what I said. Pump the brakes on uh pump the brakes on Baker. Pump the brakes yep. on Stafford and the Rams. Uh, I no, I'm I'm a I'm a push back there. I think the Rams are gonna have a way better season than people think. Because McVay hey, they, actually they, Go ahead, go ahead. They may, but they ain't winning this weekend. No, no, no. I think the Rams win between seven and nine games. Yeah, because McVeigh, McVeigh did something that all the rest of these Shanahan uh, cultists did, don't won't do. He went and got coaches from outside that little that little incestuous pool of coaches, and said, "What am I doing wrong? What can I do different?" They're not running that Shanahan. I'm talking about the the old Shanahan, the father who I can't stand. Um, gracious piece of crap. But anyway, um, they're not running that zone blocking scheme. They're mm-hmm. running a totally mm-hmm. different run scheme. Um, they're doing things differently, and the young players have bought in. Listen, McVay McVay can coach, and the sign of a good coach is being willing to look at what you're doing and say, you know what, this ain't working. I need to do something different. I think the Rams win at least seven games. What do you think about the Titans and the Chargers? About the who? Titans and the Chargers. Uh, Chargers are going to charge her, and the Titans, until they give Malik Willis the ball, are going to suck. And we got about two minutes left. All right. Uh, real quick, Chandler, close out before we get out of here. Yeah, um, as always, Say yes to life. Say no to house guests. 988 option one. Thanks for, thanks for hanging out with me tonight, Mike. And hey, man, it's always a pleasure. Glad to have you back in. Uh, Villain said tell you what's up earlier today. Um, All right. And so uh, shout out from Villain. Shout out to TP Timeless. Without him, wouldn't be here. A lot of us probably wouldn't be here. Shout out to Villain, to uh, Serious Controversy. Check out the website. All the articles we got going up on sportscitychefs.com. Finger foods as well. Remember, man, like and share if you resonate with any of this stuff. Help us get these numbers up. Subscribe to our shows. If you like uh, the food we serve up, we try to do those dishes here before we sign out. We got shows throughout the week, 9 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. NFL front office show on Tuesday nights. College cookout on Wednesday. And then roundtable gumbo with Chandler and myself on Thursday. Don't forget. 
the time of Sunday morning brunch, Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern time, where we recap what happened over the weekend, and we set the table for you on Sunday, pick the games, and everything happening in the week ahead. Uh, as I always say, laissez les bon temps rouler, and time is always likes to remind people, man. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend. I'm going to wait on that. It says I got 60 seconds. So, uh, real quick, Braves clinch. I'm excited about that. Uh, Max Fried's throwing well. Strider had a good performance last night. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that one of my teams can prove me wrong and win this weekend on the road. We will see. But as Timeless always likes to say, man, uh, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. We out, Chandler. Peace. See you next week.